Due to the graphic nature of this cult's crimes, listener discretion is advised. This episode includes discussions of violence and war. We advise extreme caution for children under 13. They came suddenly, ripping open the quiet with the sound of gunfire. Soldiers for Uganda's National Resistance Army were everywhere. For the second time in their campaign, the Holy Spirit mobile forces found themselves surrounded and the NRA were advancing. But the Holy Spirit troops stood strong. Their leader, Alice Laquena, had predicted that they would receive visitors. And here they were. Alice had taught her soldiers to feel no fear. They believed no bullets could harm them as long as they kept their faith. God was on their side, protecting them. The Holy Spirit forces rose together to face the NRA battalion and spoke as one voice. Over and over again they sang, Jesus has died, Jesus has risen, Jesus will come again. Bullets whizzed past the fighters, but not one tried to duck or hide. The NRA soldiers pushed forward, maybe even close enough to see the whites of their enemies' eyes. It didn't matter. The men sang even louder. They were invincible. Hi, I'm Greg Polson. And I'm Vanessa Richardson. And this is Cults, a Spotify original from Parcast. Every Tuesday, we look at a cult's practices, their leader, and their followers. You can find all episodes of Cults and all other Spotify originals from Parcast for free on Spotify. Last week, we met Alice Auma, a young woman who claimed to have a connection with an all-knowing spirit named La Quena. He instructed her to use supernatural powers to heal soldiers returning from conflicts in Uganda. But eventually, Laquena decided that simply healing the wounded was no longer enough. To lead her country to peace, Alice prepared for war. This week, we'll follow her newly formed Holy Spirit Mobile Force as they attempt to overthrow Uganda's National Resistance Army. Over the course of 1986 to 1987, Alice's forces posed a real threat to the Ugandan government. But in the end, the group's holy rituals couldn't save its soldiers on the battlefield. We have all that and more coming up. Stay with us. Take something iconic, like the all-electric 2024 Fiat 500e. Add something electrica. Bring the swagger. And an Italian icon is remixed and ready to drop with its available premium JBL audio system. Tap the banner to learn more. Fiat is a registered trademark of FCA Group Marketing SPA, used under license by FCA US LLC. This episode is brought to you by Viore. Give the active people in your life something they'll truly appreciate. Performance apparel from Viore. Whether they're into running, surfing, hiking, or even just casual walks around the block, there's something for everyone. And if you're not sure what to gift them, you can't go wrong with something from Viore's Dream Knit Collection. It's the perfect gift and so comfortable. Get 20% off your first purchase today at Viori, V-U-O-R-I dot com slash Spotify. Hear that? It's the sound of someone whacking the ground with a rake. Specifically, they're beating around the bush, which we've done enough of in this ad too, so let's get right to it. 
The new moneymaker scratch-off from the Ohio Lottery doesn't beat around the bush. Money Maker. Play the game and you could win money, up to $2 million. With more than $88 million in prizes, ranging from $50 to $500, Moneymaker cuts right to the cash. Lottery players are subject to Ohio laws and commission regulations. Play responsibly. By August 1986, 30-year-old Alice Auma, by then known as Alice Laquena, had spent a year communicating with a spirit named Laquena. She called herself a Nebi, or prophet, and used her supposed spiritual powers to purify the souls of wounded soldiers. Alice's claims of divine power weren't exactly unique in her region. Spiritual healing was common practice in this area of northern Uganda, which was home to the Acholi people. The Acholi people regularly sought the help of local Ajwaka to rid themselves of sickness and curses. But Alice was no Ajwaka. While she started off as a healer and medium, she didn't stay that way for long. On August 6th, Laquena delivered a shocking message that pushed her toward an entirely new path. According to Alice, Laquena demanded that she stop her healing practices. Her spiritual powers have the potential to incite much broader change. Now she was ordered to lead an army. The message came during a time of brutal violence. That year, a southern leader named Uweri Museveni had taken control of Uganda by force. He used his National Resistance Army to push out the northern-backed government. The Acholi and other northern groups feared that the Museveni regime would strike back at them in revenge. In the village of Opit, where Alice was raised, it seemed like violence had become a horrifying feature of daily life, no matter who was in power. Some rebel groups attempted to fight back against the NRA, but their militias were easy targets for the Museveni government. All the fighting created a culture of unease, distrust, and suspicion in the region. Which left Alice's Holy Spirit movement in a unique position to take action. In August of 1986, her group was mostly composed of former government soldiers who had fled the new regime. In a society plagued by danger, Alice's leadership proved a stabilizing force. Her 150 or so followers had lost the purpose they once held in their communities, and now she offered them a way to regain it. Vanessa is going to take over on the psychology here and throughout the episode. Please note, Vanessa is not a licensed psychologist or psychiatrist, but we have done a lot of research for this show. Thanks, Greg. A 2010 study from the journal Nature, Human Behavior explored how times of war affect religious belief. Among other examples, researchers looked specifically at this period in Ugandan history. Their findings showed that in times of prolonged violence, people were more likely to become religious and practice religious rituals. In Uganda, one of these religious groups was the Holy Spirit Movement, which used a series of purification practices meant to heal and protect its members. These rituals can be a comforting way to create stability in uncertain times, but spiritual bonds like these can also breed their own violence. Joseph Henrik, lead researcher and chairman of Harvard's Department of Human Evolutionary Biology, said that wartime religiosity can foster a negative feedback loop. In times of strife, spirituality is a grounding force, a way of finding purpose in chaos and connection with other people. But that newfound purpose isn't always peaceful. Sometimes it can encourage even more bloodshed. 
And in late 1986, it looked like Alice's Holy Spirit movement was heading down that path. In no time, it was renamed. Now she led the Holy Spirit Mobile Forces, or HSMF. But Alice made sure to emphasize that it was all for a higher purpose. Her fight had a beginning and an end. Under the guidance of the spirit Laquena, she told her followers that this would be a war against war and evil of all kinds. She believed the HSMF could defend northern Uganda against the government to stop the endless pattern of violence once and for all. The first order of business was to set up rules to discipline her new army. She, under instruction of the spirit Laquena, made a list of 20 Holy Spirit safety precautions that her followers had to live by. Like everything else in the Holy Spirit movement, the list wasn't an entirely unique concept. In Alice's community, spiritual healers were often tasked with setting up rules to maintain the moral order. Citizens were forbidden to fight, kill, or have sex to put an end to periods of unrest. But the Holy Spirit's safety precautions were extensive and specific, dictating a strict code of conduct for virtually every part of a member's life. Some of the rules were similar to the Christian Ten Commandments, including warnings against stealing, jealousy, and adultery. Others were more superstitious, like the one that forbade followers from killing snakes. But some of the most shocking precepts had to do with warfare. Followers weren't allowed to carry a walking stick into battle or take cover from enemy fire. And notably, they weren't allowed to kill either. On paper, this seemed like a bizarre order for an army. But soon, with the guidance of Laquena, Alice explained her reasoning. Alice told her soldiers not to aim their weapons at the enemy, at least not directly. Instead, spirits would supposedly carry the bullets through the air themselves, freeing the soldiers of any responsibility for the deaths that occurred in battle. This was only one of many rules governing combat. Alice also demanded that her soldiers stand bare-chested in the face of attack. In addition, her men were instructed to sing church hymns on the battlefield. Alice claimed that doing so would protect them from harm. All of these precautions were aimed at keeping the souls of her troops pure. Alice and her men wanted to protect themselves from Sen, or the vengeful spirits of people who died in battle, along with any other evil forces that might be targeting them. By claiming the spirits themselves were responsible for the violence, Alice promised her soldiers that no Sen would ever possess them. In essence, Alice treated war itself as a cleansing force. To her, combat was a necessary step in the journey towards spiritual salvation and a morally sound Uganda. And that was her ultimate goal, to free her region, her country, and eventually the entire world from corruption and violence. On August 20, 1986, Alice had her first chance to prove herself. NRA soldiers had abducted a group of townspeople and were holding them captive in a nearby barracks. By this point, word had spread about Alice's claims of supernatural power. Local families sought her out, begging her to do something about the injustice. It was her moment, and she seized it. Alice gathered all 150 of her soldiers. Armed with only 40 guns, they marched straight to the barracks. With such a small amount of ammunition, most of the soldiers were empty-handed. But that hardly mattered. The Holy Spirit safety practices had emboldened the men. Alice promised them that if they followed Laquena's teachings, they would return from battle unharmed. So they strode forward without fear. And miraculously, they succeeded. 
The NRA soldiers were unnerved by the confidence of the mostly unarmed men. They too had heard the unsettling rumors about Alice Laquena and her spiritual power. Panicked thoughts rushed through their minds. Maybe Alice really did have some kind of superhuman abilities. They didn't believe a military leader would send her men out without any weapons. Not unless she knew something the enemy didn't. As the HSMF moved closer and closer, the NRA panicked. The enemy soldiers fled en masse. It isn't clear if the HSMF and the NRA exchanged any gunfire at all, or if anyone was wounded in the fight, but it was a turning point for Alice and the Holy Spirit mobile force. With hardly any weapons at all, Alice had won her first battle. If there was any doubt about her abilities as a spiritual leader before, they all but disappeared. Her reputation alone was powerful enough to send the NRA running for their lives. Alice Laquena was a force to be reckoned with, and she was just getting started. Coming up, the HSMF suffers its first major casualties. I'm Sarah Turney, host of Disappearances, a Spotify original from Parcast. In 2020, I used social media to help bring justice to my sister Alyssa's nearly two decades long disappearance. Now I'm exploring the many reasons people disappear and finding that the truth may be even harder to locate than the person. Who forced a famed explorer to lose his way? What did a missing Hollywood starlet leave behind? And how could the heiress to a Chicago candy fortune just vanish? Every Thursday on Disappearances, join me for a deeper look into history's most gripping missing persons cases. Tracking timelines, analyzing clues, and piecing together as many answers as possible to find the actual truth. Follow the Spotify original from Parcast Disappearances. Listen free only on Spotify. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. This episode is brought to you by Viore. Give the active people in your life something they'll truly appreciate. Performance apparel from Viore. Whether they're into running, surfing, hiking, or even just casual walks around the block, there's something for everyone. And if you're not sure what to gift them, you can't go wrong with something from Viore's Dream Knit Collection. It's the perfect gift and so comfortable. Get 20% off your first purchase today at Viore. V-U-O-R-I dot com slash Spotify. Now back to the story. On August 20th, 1986, Alice Laquena and her Holy Spirit movement achieved their first wartime victory against the Ugandan government's National Resistance Army. The battle could have been a bloodbath, but Alice's reputation as a powerful spiritual leader preceded her and her movement. With hardly any weapons at all, she sent the enemy running scared. The people of her community were amazed. 
After this early win, Alice was able to gain another 80 followers, all of whom were former soldiers in other rebel groups. She quickly taught them her Holy Spirit safety practices, explaining how they too could become totally invincible in battle. And from there, she continued her quest. Under the guidance of her guardian spirit, Laquena, Alice and her men set their sights on Gulu. Gulu is one of the largest cities in northern Uganda. In 1986, it was an NRA stronghold. Following the government's overthrow, Gulu became one of the headquarters for the new regime's military. It was a massive risk to attack the NRA there. Gulu was their turf, a place where enemy soldiers had access to a massive amount of munitions and resources. But even so, Alice didn't falter. On October 19th, she and her newly strengthened army attacked the city. This time, things didn't go quite as smoothly as before. The HSMF were no match for the massive NRA battalion stationed there. While the details of this conflict are vague, we do know that the NRA easily overpowered the rebels, sending them running for their lives. This may have been the first time Alice's group suffered actual casualties. We don't know the exact number, but the death toll was likely massive. It was certainly enough to give any would-be supporters in the surrounding area second thoughts. Following the loss, Alice struggled to find new recruits to take the place of the soldiers who had died. Instead of admitting that her holy rituals didn't actually make her soldiers bulletproof, she made excuses. She claimed that she hadn't yet been accepted as a prophet in that area of the country. But despite her hand-waving, the rejection hit her hard. Her support was already starting to dwindle. She realized she would have to travel far beyond Gulu to find anyone willing to join up with the HSMF. So with a small group of loyal followers, Alice started over. She sought out sympathetic rebel leaders who might offer her some of their men. To build up her forces, she set her sights on Kitgum, another region in northern Uganda that had seen a great deal of fighting. Another rebel group had already been established there to fight back against the NRA, the Uganda People's Democratic Army, or UPDA. The UPDA wasn't Alice's only competition. Several other radical groups were attempting to overthrow the current Ugandan government as well. And while they usually weren't interested in working together, they did recognize that they were fighting for similar goals. So when Alice met with Stephen Ojukwu, the leader of the 90th Brigade of the UPDA, things might have been a little frosty at first. Alice asked if he would swear allegiance to her casting out his own magic charms and relying on her for spiritual guidance. Ojukwu wasn't exactly convinced. He rejected her claims of spiritual leadership, but he did offer her some help. Alice left the meeting with 150 more men, all former UPDA soldiers. Alice eagerly purified her new recruits, making them memorize the Holy Spirit safety precautions before they were deemed ready for combat. And within a few weeks, she'd already set her sights on another target. On November 12, 1986, she led her men toward the NRA headquarters in Corner Kilak, a trading center over 40 miles away. Around the time of this attack, Alice was possessed by a spirit. This entity told Alice its name was Wrong Element. This spirit told Alice that her troops would soon receive visitors and that the strangers would bring them food. The HSMF soldiers weren't meant to fight the visitors, but rather to stand still and sing hymns. Doing that would protect them from any harm. 
Later that very day, the NRA raided the HSMF encampment. The soldiers believed their attackers might be the visitors Wrong Element had described. So instead of retaliating, they did just as the spirit instructed. They stood to face their attackers together, singing a hymn over and over again. It was a life or death scenario. The NRA easily outnumbered the HSMF soldiers and likely had far more ammunition. But the unexpected move worked in Alice's favor once again. The NRA were shocked and unnerved by the soldiers' confidence. After 45 minutes, they fled. They did return a few days later, but the second attack was largely a failure too. This time, the HSMF did fight back, killing at least 25 and sending the rest running scared. Only one HSMF soldier perished in the battle. But that wasn't all. During their second retreat, the NRA soldiers abandoned a sizable store of food and cooking supplies. The HSMF took this as a sign that Wrong Element's prophecy had been fulfilled. The visitors had brought them food. This incredible turn of events re-legitimized Alice as a spiritual medium and military leader. Suddenly, the lingering doubt and confusion was conveniently forgotten. The battle at Corner Killock was proof of her miraculous power, and hordes of people rushed to join her cause. It wasn't only soldiers who joined her ranks. School children, students, and civilians from all walks of life sought her out. And Alice was more than happy to accept them all. By the winter of 1986, she was commanding hundreds, maybe even thousands of men. All the support also meant she had greater access to weapons, suddenly making Alice's movement a real threat. From there, the group attacked NRA strongholds in villages all over northern Uganda, often driving away enemy troops. With each victory, more people joined Alice's ranks, but the success didn't come without a price. Despite their growing numbers and arsenal of weaponry, the HSMF soldiers suffered massive losses at the hands of the NRA. Many of the successful attacks were hard won, resulting in a large number of casualties. Even though she was winning, Alice still had to explain how any of her men died in the first place. After all, she swore the Holy Spirit safety precautions would protect her soldiers from all harm. But as usual, Alice had a simple explanation. She claimed the men who died hadn't followed her rules to the letter. Some victims, for example, had drank water before walking to the battlefield, even though wrong element expressly told them not to. That meant they weren't properly purified in the eyes of the spirits, and therefore they weren't protected. It's easy to see Alice's excuses as a form of blame shifting. Instead of taking responsibility for her actions, she made her soldiers seem responsible for their own deaths. Blame shifting is a common tool of people in positions of power. Researchers Elizabeth Lozano and Sean Laurent published a 2019 article on the subject in a journal published by the Public Library of Science. They found the behavior was expected among people in power, like politicians and CEOs, who are greatly preoccupied with their status. The success of Alice's movement was dependent on her winning battles and avoiding casualties, but there was no real way for her to guarantee that none of her men would die in the fight against the NRA, so she came to rely on blame-shifting to maintain her legitimacy as a leader. Still, she had to do something to win back the confidence of her troops. She offered stones to the troops on the front lines, insisting they were no ordinary rocks. Alice claimed that when thrown, the stones would miraculously turn into grenades, 
This strategy likely only increased the casualties the HSMF suffered during this period, but because the men that Alice's army fought against believed in her magic, they still found these measures intimidating. At the end of the day, Alice was still winning battles, and as a result, people clamored to join her. By January 1987, she had around 7,000 soldiers under her command. With such a massive army, Alice forged forward without hesitation. On January 14th, Alice waged the largest attack on Corner Killock yet. In the early hours of the morning, 750 HSMF fighters stormed the NRA headquarters. But less than two hours later, they had to retreat. The NRA was just too strong. But nothing could deter Alice from her goal. That afternoon, she sent another group of 750 men to the exact same spot. This time, the NRA was really surprised. They may have assumed Alice's army was still small and that the previous force was all she had. If so, they were very wrong. In only 30 minutes, the NRA were forced to retreat. It was another massive win. But it still resulted in many HSMF casualties. The deaths prompted Alice to add a new ritual to her ever-growing list of protective measures. In January 1987, she claimed to have created a medicine with Laquena's guidance that could keep her men completely bulletproof, shea butter. Now, all HSMF soldiers were required to spread shea butter on their bodies before going into battle. If they did, Alice promised her men that bullets would simply bounce off their bodies. With that, Kornikolak was reclaimed in the name of the Holy Spirit Mobile Force. Alice quickly moved the headquarters of her movement to the former NRA stronghold. But her triumph was short-lived. Alice Laquena had proven that her soldiers could cause some real damage, but a few dozen guns, stone grenades, and shea butter couldn't match the government's weaponry, and she was about to learn that the hard way. Four days later, the NRA retaliated, launching a brutal reprisal against the HSMF. This time, they were no match for the government's army. Alice and her men were sent fleeing to another village to recuperate their losses. The death toll in the HSMF was reported to be anywhere between 400 and 1,200 men. And just like before, the loss caused doubt and dissent to spread among her ranks. Alice had promised total invincibility to her men. For a moment, they might have believed her, but such an embarrassing defeat was hard to ignore. It would prove to be the beginning of a long, terrible decline. Coming up, a new rebel leader threatens Alice's claim to power. Wyndham Hotels and Resorts makes travel possible for all. Whether it's the long haulers looking for a great cup of coffee, a roomier rest for the on-a-whim road trippers, or a place to make summer memories with the whole family. No matter who you are, where you're going, or why, with 24 trusted brands to choose from like La Quinta, Days Inn, and Super 8, your Wyndham is waiting. Get the lowest price at WyndhamHotels.com. Restrictions apply. Visit website for more details. Hey, welcome to Ikea, where even this desk is circular. Huh. How so? Looks pretty rectangular to me. It's because we're always looking to repair, reuse, and we love our products, like buying back your Ikea items for store credit. 
or shop our as-is section for great deals. You can even order free spare parts. Get on the circular path for a more sustainable future. Still a rectangle. Get started at ikea-usa.com slash circular. Visit ikea-usa.com slash circular for as-is information and buyback and resale terms and conditions. Spare parts not available for all products. Now back to the story. In January of 1987, it looked like Alice Laquena and the Holy Spirit Mobile Forces were on a path to success. But just days after Alice and her army of 7,000 won victory against the National Resistance Army at their headquarters in Kornikalak, the government's army retaliated. The HSMF was forced to flee. Alice led her remaining fighters to a nearby village to regroup. The atmosphere in the camp was anything but pleasant. But again, instead of admitting her mistakes, Alice turned on her own soldiers. She channeled the spirit wrong element and, through it, chastised her men for their military and religious failures. From there, she gave a litany of excuses. The HSMF wasn't equipped with enough ammunition, the army hadn't had enough holy water, and they'd gone into battle without the proper level of purification. In other words, they were spiritually doomed from the start. Alice again deflected blame away from herself and onto forces beyond her control. And, just like before, she ordered more precautions that the spirit Laquenta claimed would prevent the same thing from happening in the future. Now, soldiers weren't allowed to eat honey or kill bees, since honey was to be used as a kind of natural medicine and bees were spiritual allies. Her excuses did convince a few of the doubters, but many had seen enough. A sizable portion of her soldiers broke ranks, either returning to their homes or joining other rebel groups instead. Still, Alice remained undeterred. She wasn't done fighting. Her newest plan was to march on Kampala, the capital of Uganda and the seat of the new government. No more fighting small-scale battles. It was time to go for the jugular. Even for Alice, this was a bold move. She was no more prepared than she had been for any of the previous battles. She did have thousands of men, but that hadn't always led to victory in the past. None of that mattered to Alice. Nothing could deter her from the holy mission Laquena had tasked her with. She believed she was on a divine quest. She had to see it through. The march to Kampala from Pater Kelak would be a long, slow journey, but that was probably a good thing. To succeed in the attack on the capital, Alice desperately needed more men. So, throughout the month of February, she and her soldiers traveled across northern Uganda recruiting new followers. And luckily for the HSMF, there were many people still willing to take up arms on behalf of Alice Laquena. It was a pivotal time for the Holy Spirit Mobile Force. Up until this campaign, Alice's group was largely confined to her own ethnic group. Virtually everyone in the HSMF was a Choli. But now she was beginning to welcome support from other ethnic communities. And that was the reason the trip to Kampala was so convenient. As the reputation of her army spread, Alice ventured beyond her own region, meeting the Longi, Teso, and Jopadola people. Each group had its own unique qualities, but also shared some important similarities. Christianity was still widely practiced in each of these communities, making Alice's claims of divine power and her Christian hymns feel familiar and accessible. And like the Acholi people, these other groups had suffered from the NRA presence in northern Uganda. Battalions of the Uganda People's Democratic Army and the Uganda People's Army did have a presence in the region. 
But Alice's message proved to be a refreshing change in the eyes of the people. When she spoke to these communities through the voice of Laquena, Alice emphasized the need for unity across all ethnic groups. She criticized tribalism and championed ideas of love, repentance, and togetherness. Her speeches proved to be convincing. At least 1,500 more people vowed to join her ranks. She also received lavish gifts from local leaders, including livestock, cooking supplies, and even ammunition. These supplies weren't always easy to come by, and other rebel militias took note of Alice's good fortune. Over time, these groups started to resent Alice and the HSMF, bitter that her movement hoarded so many resources. But if Alice noticed the growing tension, she didn't react. If anything, she was bolder than ever before. The HSMF was now a multi-ethnic group with men from different communities all following her orders. In a way, it was exactly what she'd been striving for, togetherness across ethnic boundaries. But as she soon discovered, harmony wasn't easy to maintain. The veteran Acholi fighters weren't always happy to fight alongside the newbies. For all of Alice's sermons about togetherness, the Acholi soldiers still felt superior to the fresh recruits. Alice could sense the infighting. Channeling the spirit Laquena, she chastised the soldiers for giving in to tribalism, claiming that no one was above anyone else. But her message wasn't always consistent. In the past, she had reminded her soldiers that the Acholi were God's chosen people. From her perspective, they had been so mistreated by the rest of the country that they did deserve some special treatment. Alice may have only given lip service to the idea of a Choli superiority to justify her own role as the leader of the outfit, but it quickly led to increased tension among her men, and the problems bled over to the battlefield, too. The veteran Acholi fighters were exhausted from months of fighting. By March of 1987, they demanded that new recruits form the front line of defense. This request only caused more infighting, making it nearly impossible for the HSMF to function. In disarray, the men went into battle with the NRA on March 31st. Alice's army was easily defeated, and the conflict caused immense casualties. As always, Alice refused to quit, determined to make it to Kampala, but her movement was falling apart at the seams. It isn't even clear if she had a solid plan of attack to take the capital city. And things only went from bad to worse. Around this time, a copycat spiritual leader started to infringe on Alice's movement. A man named Joseph Coney had been slowly building up his own faction of the Holy Spirit movement. He claimed to have his own connection to Laquena, effectively challenging Alice's role as conduit for the spirit. Coney also said he was Alice's cousin, though she regularly denied his claims. Details about Coney's previous experience as a fighter aren't easy to come by. By all accounts, he was involved in other rebel groups prior to 1987. And now, he claimed to have Laquena's blessing to wage holy war. Predictably, Alice dismissed him, urging Coney to join her instead. Her reaction was only natural. As cult specialist Rick Allen Ross explained in a 2009 article for The Guardian, cults often form around a charismatic person who claims to be the only one with access to divine truth. That is, in part, what gives these movements their unique identities. Alice claimed to be the only person chosen by Laquena to free Uganda from tyranny and violence, but Joseph Coney's sudden appearance called her every word into question. When Alice demanded that Coney join her quest for liberation, he refused. 
Apparently, her request deeply insulted him, despite the fact that he was piggybacking off of her name. Coney vowed to never fight beneath her, or under any woman. But he was more than happy to work alongside alternative rebel groups, and because they resented Alice's success, some of the other rebels agreed to take down the HSMF. Determined to prove the strength of their own movements, Coney and UPDA battalions started targeting HSMF soldiers. They viciously attacked, tortured, and killed Alice's men. The HSMF suddenly found itself fighting enemies on all sides, clashing with Coney, the UPDA, and the NRA simultaneously. Through it all, Alice continued to lead her army toward Kampala, but along the way, she suffered massive casualties. Her soldiers were desperate for a sign from the spirits. They craved recognition for their efforts and hoped for some kind of tangible reward. Alice needed to offer them a carrot. But after her previous troubles, she knew better than to overpromise. So she channeled Wrong Element to tell her soldiers that they would all be appointed to high-level positions in the HSMF when the fighting was over. But that wasn't all. Alice also channeled Laquena, who gave her men an entirely different answer. He chastised the men for asking for rewards at all. Supposedly, Laquena believed the soldiers should be fighting for the betterment of their country, not for compensation. It was likely an act of desperation. She had already promised a long list of impossible feats and had to have known her men doubted her claims. Perhaps her contradictory answers were signs that even Alice didn't know what to do next. Meanwhile, her march continued with mixed success throughout the summer and fall of 1987. Members of the Holy Spirit mobile forces both suffered and committed acts of atrocious violence. By October, the HSMF was still making their way toward Kampala facing off again and again with the NRA, other rebel groups, and Joseph Kony's militia. By that point, the HSMF soldiers were thoroughly demoralized. Many worried the spirits had abandoned their mission. On November 2, 1987, Alice gave one last speech to her men in the voice of Loquena. Rather than offer them hope, she chose to admonish them. In her eyes, they had failed her. They were the reason things had gone so poorly. In a final stunning declaration, she told the men that if they couldn't support the movement, they were free to leave. It isn't clear how many soldiers defected after this speech. Her numbers had already been depleted by constant attacks, but ultimately, Alice was left with only 360 men, and Kampala was still far away. Just two days later, the NRA attacked the HSMF. Alice's troops were helpless to halt their advance. Whatever power Alice once had over her army was completely destroyed. Over a loudspeaker, NRA soldiers called out to the remaining HSMF soldiers. If they came quietly, they wouldn't be harmed. Some of the men emerged from the bush, but most chose to hide. It isn't clear what happened to the soldiers who did go with the NRA. Alice was one of those who chose to stay hidden. Somehow, she was able to escape the attack. Afterward, she laid low until she could cross the Kenyan border in December of 1987. That was where the story of Alice Laquena more or less ended. She eventually reached the Ifo refugee camp in eastern Kenya, where she lived until her death from an illness in 2007 at age 51. Following the disastrous failure of the HSMF in 1987, Alice's incarnation of the Holy Spirit mobile force was pretty much defunct. Shortly after her army's defeat, her father, Severino Lacoya, 
attempted to revitalize the HSMF, but found little success. His army surrendered to the government in 1989. Joseph Kony, on the other hand, was successful in his pursuits. He eventually renamed his movement the Lord's Resistance Army, and it's still operational today. But whatever revolutionary spiritual goals Alice had were replaced by a campaign of intimidation and violence. The LRA is extremely aggressive, with Kony and his soldiers attacking, torturing, and murdering civilians at random. He's also notorious for abducting children into his ranks and forcing them to do his bidding as soldiers. Coney's vision for the Holy Spirit movement was never part of Alice's plan. Despite its contradictions, her goals were utopian, not just a unified, peaceful country, a unified, peaceful world. And though she made it remarkably far, Alice Lequena ultimately fell short. Regardless of her intentions, she led a campaign of violence and manipulation, promising her men protection where there was none. Her legacy is a complicated one, and her movement left a massive amount of destruction in its wake. Thanks for tuning into Cults. We'll be back next week with another episode. For more information on Alice Lequena, amongst the many sources we used, we found Heike Barron's book, Alice Lequena and the Holy Spirits, especially helpful to our research. You can find all episodes of Cults and all other Spotify originals from Parcast for free on Spotify. We'll see you next time. Cults is a Spotify original from Parcast. It is executive produced by Max and Ron Cutler. Sound designed by Anthony Valsic, with production assistance by Ron Shapiro, Trent Williamson, Carly Madden, and Joshua Kern. This episode of Cults was written by Georgia Hampton, with writing assistance by Terrell Wells and Abigail Cannon. Fact-checking by Claire Cronin, and research by Brian Petrus and Chelsea Wood. Cult stars Greg Polson and Vanessa Richardson. 